Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoyed today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. Well, this is the word of the Lord. What a great story, huh? Man, there's so much in that that we just read. It really is the greatest story on earth, right there. There's lots of good stories. That's the greatest. Because it's the only one that offers us life. Why don't you go ahead and have a seat? And uh, let me just say happy Easter to everybody. So my name's Tyrone, and if I haven't met you or we don't know each other very well, I'd love to meet you. I'd love to get to know you. We'll be hanging out afterwards. I know it's going to be crazy with egg hunt and, and kids everywhere and all that, but here's the message today. It's a simple one, but it's an important one. Jesus turns death into life. That's what we're going to talk about today. Jesus turns death into life. There's going to be some information that we're going to give you today, but I think it's important for me to start out by saying this. I'm not about just giving you information. I want you to experience transformation in your life. We live in a day and age where we are on information overload. Some of you right now, you're getting distracted already because someone's texting you, you something, you got an email and all that. It's, it's amazing how like this information is constantly being bombarded at us, right? What you and I don't need is information, but what we do need is transformation. And some of you, you're going to experience the life that Jesus offers you today. I love to read history. I love to study history. Maybe you're with me. Any history buffs, any history nerds in the house? So it's interesting when you read about Roman civilization and all of its history. Did you know that the city of Rome was like officially as a city established back in 625 BC, just a couple of years ago? So for about 100 years, this little city. It was like just a tiny little kingdom. It was ruled by six or seven kings. And then about a little over 100 years after its existence, it finally became, in 510 BC, the Roman Republic. And the Roman Republic actually existed for over 500 years before it became uh, the Roman Empire. But as the Roman Republic, they established a new form of government. It was ruled by the upper class, and it was ruled by these people called senators and knights, these guys that are right around on horses, those types of knights. They were in charge, and the, the Roman Republic expanded. It took over modern-day Italy and went across almost all the way around the Mediterranean Sea. So they conquered a lot of kingdoms and countries as the Roman Republic. And, and then in the year 27 BC, that's when Imperial Rome began. So through a series of some crazy events, Augustus Caesar became the emperor, 
and thus the Roman Empire period began. And so what they did is they completed their conquest all the way around the Mediterranean Sea, conquering all of North Africa. They expanded to the east and to the west and to the north as the Roman Empire. They were strong, they were mighty, and they wanted everybody to know. And what they would do to anybody who would try to overthrow them in any part of the region is they wanted to strike fear and usurp their power and their authority over them. So they instituted this thing called crucifixion. So they would crucify people to let them know who was in charge. And if you try to overthrow the government, this is what we will do. And so it was this public form of execution that was brutal, but it would communicate one thing and one thing pretty loudly, very publicly, we are in charge. There's one in charge and it is Caesar. Now the Romans weren't the first people to use crucifixion. It was used by the Persian Empire. It was used by Alexander the Great occasionally. But historians tell us that the Romans perfected it. They got really good at crucifying people. They knew what to do. And it said at times in certain parts of their empire that crosses would line the Roman roads. You would just see them all over the Roman roads. And again, this was their way of control. This was their way to keep order in the empire. You want to try to overthrow us? You think you're more powerful than us? We're going to put you on a cross and everybody will see what happens to anyone who rebels against the empire. Rome was mighty. They were strong. In fact, today, the Roman Empire is still considered to be one of the greatest Western civilization empires ever to exist. All, over, all in all, as the Roman Republic, Roman Empire, it was over a thousand years that this civilization existed and ruled all over most of Europe and around the Mediterranean Sea. Over 1,000 years. It's a significant empire. It really was the epitome of power and greatness. They thought very highly of themselves. And they like to let everybody know about it. And so what's interesting, at the height of the Roman Empire, there's this tiny group of people in a little corner of the Roman Empire that were holding on to a prophecy about a soon-coming king. Let's read a couple of those. Isaiah has a bunch of them. Isaiah 7:14. here's one of the prophecies. All right, then, the Lord himself will give you the sign, look, the virgin will conceive child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So if you're familiar with the story of Mary, the virgin given birth, that's the Christmas story right there, prophesied 700 years before Jesus was ever born. You, you jump a bunch of pages ahead in Isaiah uh, chapter 53. Listen to these verses as you think about the story of Jesus going to the cross, through the cross, and dying on the cross, and all of his friends leaving him. It says in verse 3, he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought it was his troubles we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow 
our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. And that's what Jesus did for us on the cross 700 years later. He took our sins. He took our rebellion, where we said, God, I don't believe you. I don't need you. I can do my own thing. I can live life my way. I can do my own path. Jesus took all of that, that rebellion and that sin. He took it on, his, on the cross so that you and I could be forgiven, healed, whole, set free, and find life in him. So this Roman Empire, the mighty Roman Empire, who made sure they wanted to, to make everyone declare Caesar as Lord, they ended up killing the one true Lord on one of their crosses. And they didn't even realize it. You know, if you think about it, Jesus would have been one of just the many thousands upon thousands of people that were crucified in the Roman Empire throughout its existence and all the crucifixions that it did. He'd have been one of the many Unheard of, unthought of, except something happened on that third day that set him apart from anybody else. And that's what we're here to celebrate today, right? We're here to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. You see, with his resurrection, Jesus turned the meaning of the cross upside down. What was known as a symbol of, uh, of humiliation and a brutal form of execution still to this day is considered the worst form of public execution ever used in the history of mankind. That was what crucifixion was. What was known as humiliation, a brutal form of death, Jesus turned it upside down and made it a symbol of life. And how did he do that? By defeating death and rising from the dead. Jesus died, that's historical fact. But he didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead. And with that, he changed the meaning of the cross from death to life. So you look at the cross today. That cross is a picture. It is a symbol, not of death. It is now a symbol of life because of what Jesus did, because that's what he does, friends. Jesus turns death to life. He turns graves into gardens. He can turn mourning into dancing. He can take your ashes and make beauty out of it. He can take your bondage and turn it into freedom. He can take your anxiety and give you peace. He can make the blind see. He can take your sickness and make you whole and healed. He can take your stress and give you rest. He turns death into life. That's what he does because that's who he is. And that's what we're celebrating here today with the resurrection of Jesus. You see, Jesus didn't come so that you and I could follow a bunch of rules, which I'm thankful for. Jesus came so that through him, you and I could have life. That's why he came. In fact, he said it himself. He said, hey, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And who's the thief? The thief is your enemy, the devil. He's that, that's his purpose, is to steal, to rob from you. And he does a good job. He steals, he kills, he destroys too many people, too many of us, because we let him. But Jesus says, I've come that they may have life. They may have it to the full. This is why Jesus came. Jesus came so that you and I could have life. Hey, guys, we all want to live a life that's meaningful, right? That's significant, 
We want to feel alive as we live our life. And so we'll chase after everything and anything to make us feel alive. We'll go after everything. But life can only be found from the one who actually gave us life. Life can only be found in Jesus. Why don't you listen to our friend Carol's story right now? Hi, my name is Carol, and this is my death to life story. My journey started about two years ago. I was in such a deep pit. Um, We had moved here from Oceanside, and I just felt so incomplete. I turned to New Age. Um, things, you know, I wanted to manifest this life for myself. I wrote it down on paper. I would look at the moon cycles and figure out what the moon was going to bring me that cycle. I would cleanse my house with sage. I was just so, so committed to these things because I needed change in my life. Um, When I was doing a lot of the new age, the manifestations, the rocks, all of those things, there wasn't really a response. It was like, Oh, something went well for me. That must have been the universe. Thank the universe. And um, it actually started at preschool pickup. My girlfriend told me she was having a Bible study. And I was like, well, that's cool. She's like pretty big on the Instagram game. And I was like, I'll, I'll join. Why not? So I joined her Bible study. And her faithfulness, her passion towards Jesus opened my eyes. It made me feel like I was missing something, like nothing could be found in what I was doing. But now I feel direct connection sometimes. I feel like God really speaks to me most days. And I don't know, it's just a different connection. And it's a I can even feel him sometimes, you know. I'll pray to him, I'll be in prayer, and I can feel him close, and I can feel him as a father, as somebody who's guiding me. And with New Age and Hinduism, because I dabbled in Hinduism, I've dabbled in so many different religions, I never felt that, I never felt that connection. So I found my way to Rivers Church, My father-in-law loves this church and he had been, you know, asking for me to come. So I remember my first time I walked in, sat in the back, the very back, (laughs) and um, I couldn't even make it through the music. I was in tears. I could not stop crying. I knew that I had found my home. I knew that he was pulling for me and I knew that he wanted me to be here. And that completely changed my life. So moving forward, I surrendered my life to Jesus and I cannot tell you the things that he has done in my life. Um, Just witnessing my children, seeing their love for Jesus has just brought me to tears. And hearing them say that they see my love for Jesus makes me feel like I'm on the right path. I was able to really commit and he's made so many changes in my life. I do regular Bible studies on Thursdays. Um, You know, I love 
sharing the word with my neighbors, with my friends, with people at Little League. <laughs> um, and currently I'm serving on the worship team. And it just reminds me when I was 19 years old, that was the last time I sang on the stage. And I was singing at bars. I was doing Battle of the Bands. And it just makes me laugh because he was really, he's using my talents now for the better to, to help other people. And I love that. I thought that I could find life in spiritualism, but I found life in Christ instead. So Jesus came to offer us life. And that life can only come through a relationship with him. Jesus knew that our life could only happen through him if he went through his death. It's the only way it could happen. And what's interesting is Jesus predicted that he was gonna do this himself. In fact, he said it many, many times to his disciples, and in the end, they still forgot, which is crazy to me, but one of the times that he said this is recorded in Luke 18. It says, taking the 12 disciples aside, Jesus said, listen, we're going up to Jerusalem where all the predictions of the prophets concerning the Son of Man will come true. He will be handed over to the Romans, and he will be mocked, treated shamefully, and spit upon. They will flog him with a whip and kill him. But on the third day, he will rise again. So Jesus is speaking in third person here, obviously, of himself. He's like, I'm about ready to go through this, guys. I will die, but I want you to know I will beat death. I will rise from the dead. So Jesus predicted his own death and resurrection. And then he turned around and he actually pulled it off. And anyone that can do that, I believe is worth putting your trust in. I believe is worth putting your faith in. That if he can pull off his own death and resurrection that he predicted, that means that nothing is impossible for him. He is greater and more powerful than even death itself. So Jesus, he did die. He was buried on a tomb. And then on the third day, the ladies went back as we read the story. And what they find? They found that the stone was rolled away, the tomb was open, and they went inside and they saw that it was empty. There's no body here. And then two guys showed up. Did you catch that part of the story? You, you remember that? These two guys showed up, these two angels, and they asked this question. Great question. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Which is kind of a funny question at first thought when you think about what they're doing and where they're at. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Well, obviously, they're just going to the last place they saw Jesus. Like, we put him here in the tomb, and so it makes sense that they would go back to that same place, right? And of course you don't look for life where dead things are. That's like a no-duh. Uh, they're not looking for an alive Jesus. They're looking for a dead Jesus. This is what they assumed, because when you put people in a tomb, typically they stay there, right? That's why it said that the cemetery is the most organized place in the entire world. When you place somebody in a spot, they stay there. Very organized. There's no complaining. There's no arguing. There's nobody moving around and fighting all these spots. No, that's, they stay where they're at forever, except for Jesus, apparently. He doesn't like to play by the rules. Somebody forgot him to tell him that dead people stay dead. 
and he rose from the dead. Hmm. You know, I was thinking about the empty tomb, and I think the empty tomb really is the symbol of Christianity. Like, the cross is significant, very significant, right? But the empty tomb really is the symbol of Christianity because this shows us that Jesus is who he said he was, that he really is God, that he really does have power over death. It shows us that Jesus really is alive. So you think about this image of an empty tomb. Jesus turned this image upside down and made it a a symbol of life, something that means and should mean death. Jesus made it a symbol of life, just like he did to the cross. He turned the symbol of the cross upside down. A symbol of death is now a symbol of life. The tomb is a symbol of death, but now it's a symbol of life because of what Jesus did. He turned it upside down because that's what he does. He turns death into life, and he's going to do it here today in many of our lives. Now, again, back to that question, because I think this is an important question that the angels ask the ladies that show up. Why do you look for the living among the dead? And it's an important question for us because many of us are living lives where we're looking for the living among the dead. We're looking for life and meaning, purpose, significance, in all the wrong places because they are actually places that just lead to death. They don't give us the life that we are longing for. We won't find the life that we were created to experience. We'll only find death in those places. But we will go after things that we, we, we think are going to make us feel alive because we long to feel alive, don't we? We want our life to mean something, to be significant. I want this feeling of like, yeah, I'm living the dream. This is it. I'm on top of the world. That's, we long to feel that and just to be alive. And so we go after things. We chase after things. We'll invest in things. We'll invest in even in relationships and all of this, thinking that this is what is going to give me life. But then something breaks. We lose it. The relationship, like people hurt me and all this. I lose my job. And everything that I put my hope and my life into, it crumbles. It hurts me. It breaks. It falls apart. And I'm left with the same longing for life, like where can I find life in this life? Maybe you've sensed that, maybe you've felt that. There's this longing that all of us have inside of us to really feel and be alive. And so we go after things because of that longing that we think will achieve that. We listen to the messages of people around us in the world, and like, you gotta obtain this, you gotta get all of this, hoard all of this, achieve this, be this, you know, climb this, have this, and just accumulate. Uh, whatever the message is, whatever we find ourselves pursuing and chasing after, and we, we go after those things, and we still, even if we achieve those things, we find in ourselves still a longing for more because it doesn't satisfy. This is why you can talk to some of the richest, most famous people in the world, and when, when they open up, you realize they're just, they're dying on the inside. Because everything they wanted, they have, and they still do not feel alive or fulfilled. That's why so many, their lives fall apart. Because they're going after all the wrong things to experience life. And we can sense that, we can feel that even for ourselves, but isn't it amazing how we still hold on to those things? Like, I, I just, I know this relationship isn't, 
given me the, the meaning and the life that I want, but I don't want to let go of it because I'm too afraid to be alone. And so we hold on to that, whatever it is, the job, the career, uh, the money, the, the, the everything. We hold on to these things and we clutch them. And we, we have the sense that like, I, I, this isn't bringing life to me, but I don't know what else to do. I'm too scared to change. It's too uncomfortable to change. We keep holding on to it not realizing that it's just suffocating us. It's killing us from the inside out. It's squeezing us to death. We can't, we can't even relax. We can't even breathe because the very thing we're holding on to is actually killing us. It's killing us. And this is where we gotta learn to trust Jesus and give it to him so that you and I can find life. Some of us, we believe in Jesus. We're following Jesus, but we're holding on to things in us that are producing death. And Jesus wants to say to you, trust me with that area of your life, with that part of your heart. You don't need that. If you just trust me, I can bring life to that. It's bringing death. It's killing you on the inside. Some of you are holding on to painful memories and you refuse to give, not to forgive the people that hurt you, not realizing that it's just killing you on the inside and you've got to release forgiveness and trust Jesus. Say, Jesus, help me. Help me. It's amazing these things that we hold on to. Sometimes that's, you know, that death can look like jealousy. Sometimes that death in us, it, it, it looks like bitterness. Sometimes it looks like anger. But all these things on the inside, they're just producing death. And Jesus says, I want to give you life. I want you to experience the life that I have for you. So how do we do that? How do we experience that? First, you gotta understand this first and foremost, guys. When we make our life about anything other than Jesus, it only leads to death. This is a life principle that we've got to understand very clearly. When I make my life about anything other than Jesus, it only leads to death. And so what that doesn't mean is surrender your life to Jesus, live for him so you can experience a boring religious experience of life. That's not what that means. It's surrender your life to Jesus, trust in him, look to him, make Jesus what your life is all about, and then you can enjoy everything else even more. Yes. Because those things that we go after, we think this is gonna make me feel alive, this is gonna give me life. No, 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 it just leads to death because only Jesus leads to life. And so then I find life in him, I make my, my purpose, and I make him my passion, and I pursue him, and then I can enjoy everything else because he brings greater meaning and significance to all the other areas of my life when he's first in my life. So how do we find that life in Jesus? Here's what we do. Jesus told us in his words. Let's read his words. Then he said this to the crowd, which he says to us here today, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. This is the paradox of Jesus' teachings. You want to find life? You got to die to yourself. Like if you want to go after it yourself, that's fine. But in the end, it's going to lead to death. You have a choice. But if you really want to experience true life, you got to go through death first. So what we got to do is we got to give up our own way is what Jesus is saying. Give up our own way. Take up our cross. Okay, thankfully that doesn't mean literally Jesus is speaking figuratively here, right? Okay, we don't have crosses out back hidden 
Anyone wants to say yes to Jesus, commit your life to Jesus, you are gonna, we're gonna crucify people. No, Jesus did that once and for all for us. This is a figurative, like I gotta die to my selfishness, to the sinful part of my life. I die to all that and, and I live for him. So this really is more than just believing in Jesus, friends. This is you and I having a radical commitment to follow him, giving up my own way, recognizing my way is not the best way. Jesus, you got the best way because you're the author of life. You gave me life. I can trust you. But here's what it takes. It takes this thing that goes against our pride and what we want to do, and it's called humility. I got to humble myself, die to myself to find life. Jesus. And this is difficult for us because let's be real. We like our own way, don't we? We like to make plans. This is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it. This is where I'm going to go and all this. We like that, don't we? We like our own way. Come on, let's be honest. So we got to recognize that Jesus has a better way and we got to look to him and trust him. But that takes humility. And so we got to relinquish control. That's what we try to do, right? We're trying to control these things in our life. We can even find ourselves as followers of Jesus, but Jesus, I'm going to control this, and I'm going to hold on to this. Control is an interesting thing. Have you noticed? Like we try to do it, and we think it's going to make things better, but it never does. It only makes things worse. I'm going to control this. I'm going to hold on to this. Uh, It just makes life so much more stressful because control is an illusion. It deceives us. We think it'll help, but it never, ever does. And so what we need to do is we need to surrender, humble ourselves, and trust Jesus with every area of our life, with our whole life. So this is why Jesus says we got to give up our life for him, to him, to find true life. Let's listen to our friend Jacob's story here. My name is Jacob, and this is my death to life story. I grew up um, in the church, grew up believing in God, uh, had a relationship with God, pray, go to church every week. Um, And that started since childhood, Um, and it moved into my adult life. Um, I went through some pretty serious stuff in the last year that really shook my faith and gave me things that I struggled with. Um, I had my mother pass away, and then I also had um, some pretty serious mental health things hit me that honestly brought me to my knees. Um, And God kind of fell to the wayside. It kind of became, how do we get out of this hole? How can Jake get out of it? Um, I struggled with really severe PTSD, OCD, and anxiety. Um, It dictated where I could go, what I could do, um, who I could see. And there was no rhyme or reason. I had to control everything. And so it monopolized my life. I wasn't living. I was was a zombie under control of whatever my mind told me to do. And God became a background. And so it got to a point where I had some stuff happen that created more trauma in my mental health. And I broke down. I got to the point where... I was gonna kill myself. I was gonna. I was gonna end myself. I, I had pills, and I was. I was putting. I was getting ready. I was like, "There's no other option." And I remember calling out to God. I'm like, "There's. This is what you want me to do." And um, it's funny because I remember. I remember that week. Um, that was back in October, and I. I got to a point where 
I just felt this urge. I was in no condition to go anywhere. I felt this urge to just go to church. And I went with it because I, so I told myself, I was like, oh, you don't really have anything else. Like, you know, what is it gonna hurt? So I came to church and I remember they were going through the worship set and I was sitting in the back and I could not keep my composure at all. I was lost, I lost it, I lost it. I was emotional, I was crying, I was hopeless. I'd given up. And in the post-service, I remember meeting with some people here and talking and praying with them. And we prayed for it had to have been like an hour and it felt like a warm hug. I felt like this warm hug, this warm embrace that to me was, it was, it was weird. I was like, oh, what is that? And I didn't, I, I was so used to being uncomfortable, so used to living in this pain and this discomfort that it was alien to me. And so I felt this embrace and I left and I was still having my troubles. I was still, I was still in this mental anguish, but it opened up this door for me to start reevaluating my relationship with God. And I started realizing I'd put my faith in all of these different things uh, during this time where I had, I'd said, the doctors are gonna tell me that I'm okay. You know, something's gonna happen over here or, or somebody's gonna tell me everything's gonna be okay over here in therapy. And I started realizing that those aren't the answers. That God was the answer for me. I felt that embrace, I felt that peace. Every time I would call out, it might not have been immediate, but at some point I would feel that. And I would feel God telling me, it's gonna be okay. You're gonna get through it. Whereas I felt like my life was this fog. I felt like God was this lighthouse that came out. And I just, I felt like I had direction. And I knew that no matter what I was going through the next day, I, I, God was still faithful. God was still good. I was still suffering. I still went through a lot of hardships, but I had God to guide me through it. And now my faith because of it, I feel is like it has become so unshakable that no one is not gonna tell me that God is not good that God is not strong, God is not faithful, and God is not for me. I live that every single day, and I'm thankful for what I had to go through. And now I don't live my life in constant fear and control of what's gonna happen. You know, where am I gonna go? Am I gonna die tomorrow? I don't have to worry about that stuff anymore. Now, all of that is brought to peace. And like I said, there's still adversity and there's still struggle. But knowing that God is in my corner every single day is what gives me the strength to get through it. I thought I could find life in controlling my own life, but where I really found life was through Jesus. Man, I really appreciate Jacob sharing his story because it just speaks to process. So many times Jesus, I've seen him like deliver, change, transform in an instant. Sometimes it's a process, it's a journey. Are you willing to trust him in the journey? There's some things maybe you've been holding on to in your life, and maybe you already believe you're a follower of Jesus, but you're holding on to some things that they're just bringing death. They're producing death in you. Are you willing to trust Jesus and go on journey with him so that he can bring life into that? Maybe you're here and today's a day for you to say yes to Jesus, to really commit, surrender your life to him for the first time and find life in Jesus. I'll never forget when that happened for me. 
Man, I was in a season where I wanted nothing to do with God. I was struggling with the whole God church thing. And when I was in a place like this, a moment like this, I just sensed the presence of God. He was so real. His love was so real that I could not ignore him. And I realized in that moment, God, you're real and I need to live for you. And so I, I surrendered my life to Jesus in that moment. And I can just tell you instantaneously, he began to change my heart. He began to change me from the inside out. I obviously wasn't perfect, but there was a radical significant change that took place in that moment. And I have never, ever looked back. I've never regretted following Jesus ever since. And maybe today's a day for you to experience that life-changing moment where you surrender your life to Jesus. And here's what happens. Jesus called it being born again. It's not a physical born again, it's a spiritual born again, where you move from death to life spiritually. Because you and I, if we don't have a relationship with Jesus, we are dead spiritually. But when we say yes to Jesus, say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins that put you on the cross. And I, I, I trust you, I commit my life to you. And in that moment, the Spirit of God comes inside and lives inside of us and we come alive spiritually. We move from death to life. Jesus turns death to life. That's what he does. That's what he wants to do in your life today. So maybe today's the day where you begin a relationship with Jesus, or maybe today's the day where you surrender something you've been holding on to. Let it go. And let Jesus bring life into that area, just like Jacob did. And so we look at these words of Jesus again. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And then he goes on to speak here to something we all desire and we all long for. He says, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but are yourself lost or destroyed? The translations say, like, you lose your very soul. Now, we all want to gain as much as we want, as we can, right? Like, like, none of us would be opposed to making millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. If that was an option, we would probably say, we'd probably say, I'll take that. We like the idea of being successful, of achieving things, of making money and making lots of money and having more and acquiring more. And Jesus is speaking that to, to that desire that we all have. And he's saying, okay, what if you achieve all of that, but you aren't in relationship with me? Because in the end, that just leads to death. You just lose. You're going to lose everything. But if you have life in me, then you will always have a life. You won't lose your life in the end, but you could gain everything that the world has the offer. Say no to Jesus. In the end, you've lost out of everything. We have this longing inside of us, don't we? Like for power, for success, for money. And what's interesting is that that would epitomize the Roman Empire in Jesus's day, right? The epitome of power and success. Like they ruled a lot of Western civilization. And Jesus took one of their main symbols of power and fear and authority, and he turned it upside down and made it a symbol of life. But how did he do it? He did it through this thing called humility. Well, he willingly gave up himself and he went to this 
cross and he died. And it was through his humility, this act of humility, the greatest act of love that the world has ever seen, that he turned this symbol of power upside down to a symbol of life. I love what Paul says about that to his friends, the Philippians. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. And so you see a theme in there, right? Humility. In humility, there's this theme of humbleness. What is it going to take for you and I to experience the life that Jesus offers? It's going to take the same humility. Now, what's interesting is, you know, Jesus rose from the dead and he came back, visited with his disciples and said, okay, guys, your turn, go and make disciples of all nations. So they did. They went, the Holy Spirit empowered them. They went, they made disciples, they made disciples, they made disciples. This small band of followers of Jesus just continued to make disciples. The, the followers of Jesus called the way initially continued to grow. It expanded from Jerusalem all throughout the Roman Empire. Eventually, 300 years, this small band of followers of Jesus who had actually died on one of the Roman crosses had turned the Roman Empire upside down that they actually overtook the Roman Empire. And they didn't do it through political power. They did it through humility. They did it through serving. They loved people. They served people. They prayed for people. They witnessed. They shared about the power of the gospel. They saw healings took place. Miracles took place. When plagues hit the, the, that world at that time, they went and served people who were dying and took care of the sick when everyone else ran for the hills. And they just loved, like Jesus called them to love. And once you know, over a few hundred years, this small group of followers of Jesus overtook the Roman Empire. And you can go to the Colosseum today in Italy, this place where they used to kill Christians. They would feed them to the lions for sport, and you will find a cross in the Colosseum now today. Isn't that interesting? It all came and started through one humble act. But Jesus going to the cross. How are you going to find life? It's going to come through humility. Humility. is you just come into this place where you realize, I'm going to go your way, Jesus so that I can experience the life that you have for me. You know that God wants to use you to bring his life in other people? Yeah. Did you know that? Some of us, we've experienced the radical, life-changing power of Jesus. And here's the cool thing is he wants to use you to take the life that Jesus has given you and see that take place in other people. This by the way, is why we're doing Disciple Maker. We start in just about a week and a half, and if you want to learn what it means to follow Jesus and help other people follow Jesus, we invite you to come and join us as we do that. And we're just praying for more people to find life in Jesus. And today, I'm praying for that same thing. Today, some of you are going to find life in Jesus. Are you ready to say yes to Jesus? Are you ready to move from death to life? Today's your day. Come on, you got to humble yourself. 
and recognize you need Jesus. He came to give you life. That's the message of the cross. Let's pray. Would you join me in prayer right now? Lord, thank you so much. for what you did for us 2,000 years ago on that hill right outside of the small town of Jerusalem in a tiny little corner of the Roman Empire where you changed the history of mankind by taking our sins, our rebellion on yourself and dying on that cross Death was something that we deserved because of our sins and our rebellion against you and doing it our way. But you took our place even before we even had an opportunity to decide if we were going to even believe in you, let alone trust you. You did it for us because you loved us that much. So Jesus, we say thank you so much for your love demonstrated on that cross. We thank you that you didn't stay dead, but you're alive, which is why we're here today because you're alive. And some people kept spreading that message that you're alive. And so here we are again today, spreading that message even more. You're alive. And Jesus, I pray that your life would would fill this place. Lord, I pray that your life would change people's hearts and lives here today. Lord, we are, many of us, we're alive physically, but we need your life to come and infuse our life, to bring greater meaning and purpose to experience the life we were meant to live. Some of us here, Lord, we're holding on to things that are just producing death in us. There's anger, there's hurt, there's bitterness, there's anxiety that's just, it's controlling us. We're holding on to things. We're trying to control things, Lord, even though we might believe in you and love you, but we can try to control. And this is a moment we're gonna surrender. We're gonna let go. We're gonna trust you. And you're gonna take that thing that's actually producing death and you're gonna bring life today as we humble ourselves and trust you. Lord, I thank you for what you're gonna do in these next few moments. So I wanna ask right now, eyes closed. So I'm gonna give you opportunity to respond to this right now and experience the life-transforming power of Jesus. Eyes closed. If you're here, you maybe you're, you're already a follower of Jesus. I'm speaking to the believers first. You've put your trust in Jesus, but you're holding on to some things that are actually killing you on the inside. And today's the day where you're saying, okay, no more. I'm coming clean. I'm gonna trust you in this area of my life, Jesus. I give it to you. I surrender in humility to you. That's you. I just want you to slip your hand up right now and say, I need to let go. I need to let go. I need to trust God in this area of my life. Anybody? Yeah, just feel free. Just slip your hand up right now. Come on. This is the beginning of you experiencing freedom. Come on. This is the beginning of you, beginning of you experiencing the life that Jesus has for you right now. When you're letting go, you're going to trust Jesus. This takes humility. Everything within you, the pride within you doesn't want to surrender and and admit you need Jesus, but you need him for life and for help and for freedom and healing and wholeness right now. Anybody else? Slip your hand up. You can put your hand down. Anybody else? I need that. I'm giving up control. I'm giving up this area so that Jesus can bring life to it. Okay, I want to speak to those that maybe have never said yes to Jesus. Or maybe you did at one point, but you've really wandered away, done your own thing, and today's your day, Easter 2023, to find life in Jesus. And you're going to make the greatest decision that you could ever make in your whole life. You're going to say yes to Jesus. 
humble yourself before him, ask for forgiveness and commit to following him. If you're here today, you're saying, I need to do that. Would you slip your hand up right now? So that's me today, Tyrone. I'm coming to Jesus. I'm gonna put my trust in him. I'm gonna humble myself right now. Anybody, that would just, just slip your hand up right now and say, I'm, I'm doing it today, Tyrone. This is my day. I'm gonna find life in Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, come on. This is it. This is you and I surrendering our pride and in humility, dying to ourselves to find life in Jesus. Just slip your hand up. That's you. Lord, right now, I thank you for what you're doing in this place. I thank you that you're breathing life, new life, healing life, freedom life into this place right now. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing. Some people are going to experience what Carol, what Jacob shared in their life and their story. Death to life today, Lord. I thank you for what you're about ready to do. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.